Well, good morning, everybody. It's good to see you all. How are you doing today? You're doing well, spectacular. I'll just speak on your behalf. You all look like you're doing wonderful. Uh, well, I'm so glad you're here. Glad you're here with us today. Uh, we are ending. We're in week three of this three-week series that we've uh, called, called to be. Uh, and it's been this series that where we found our, our core passage, our foundational passage comes out of 1 Peter chapter 2. And if you remember, we've read this probably a couple times, uh, but we'll read it again just so, so we can get a refresher. So 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. And so Peter is writing, and he says some really, some things there that sometimes when we read through them, they may have understood what it meant, but for us, it just kind of doesn't hit. We, we need to know a little bit more about it. And so I know for a lot of us, when we read this idea of being a royal priesthood, you know, he's calling us to be priests, a priesthood. And we can ask ourselves, well, what does that actually mean? And so part of what this series has been about is to try and unpack that. What does it look like to be somebody who Peter is labeling as a priest, as a part of a royal priesthood? And so one of the things uh, to remember or know is that as Peter is writing this in, to his audience, uh, this isn't some brand spanking new idea that Peter came up with. It's not like he sat down and he's like, I know, I'm gonna call us all priests and they're all gonna, you know, they, they won't know what I'm talking about, but we're gonna, we're gonna go this route. He is, he's referring back to something that they all would have probably been very familiar with, referring back to this moment in Exodus where God is speaking to the people of Israel. He's speaking to the Israelites and he says to them essentially, you guys are going to be a special possession to me. In fact, you guys, for me, you're going to be priests, a nation of priests, all of you, a nation of priests to the world around you so that you can help the world around you see who I am and how to experience me. And so he says this to them. And then because he wants to make sure that they understand, this is a big thing. And so because he wants to make sure that they understand what exactly it means and looks like to be a nation of priests, he takes a group of those Israelites he sets aside a group of those Israelites and he says, all right, now this group, you all, you all are going to have the title and job of priests to the rest of the Israelites. And so he gives them the task and the job of being priests. And he does this because he, he cares so much about people knowing what it is to be priests. He says, I want you to see how it actually works out. I want you to see how it actually plays out. What these guys do, I want you to emulate them. I want you to play this and capture that spirit for the world around you. And so he, he puts these priests and they get a firsthand picture of what it means to be a priest because they're called to be a priesthood. And so when Peter is writing, remember he's writing all these Christians all over the Roman empire, he's reminding them, you are a part of the same heritage. You are a part of the same heritage and spirit and story of these people who were called to be priests to the world around them, who were called to fill in that role and, and live that role out. And so friends, the beautiful thing, the thing that excites me is that even a couple thousands of years later, we're part of that heritage as well. We have that same call, that same job title, that same opportunity to be that, that person, that group of people, those priests who share God to the world around us, who help people understand and see here is who God is. So with that in mind, I thought, we thought, we got together and we thought maybe a great way to end this series, a great way to, to go through this morning would be to look at uh, what is one thing, one thing uh, that the priest, a specific thing that the priest knew how to do. And so in a moment, uh, I'm gonna take us back into the Old Testament. We're gonna read a passage and we're gonna see, and here's the thing. We're gonna look and see 
what it meant for the priests to know how to worship. This morning, we're gonna look at what does it mean to know how to worship? And so it, it seems like, uh, you know, because we worship every morning, every Sunday when we gather here together, we spend time in worship and song together, it, it would make sense maybe that we would take a Sunday to, to kind of unpack that and go a little bit deeper. And what does it mean to do that? Uh, and so to help get us, I need to ask us a question. I want us all to be able to get in the mode of thinking about song and music and worship. Uh, so uh, I'm gonna ask you a question uh, and pose this to you. How many of you have been driving down the road and you've pulled up to a stoplight and you've looked over to the car to the right or to the left or wherever you are. And as you look over, you see that the person in that car is singing along to the radio with all the zeal and gusto of a Broadway performance. Everybody has seen that. What I'm also gonna say is I bet everybody in here at one point or another has been the person singing along to the radio with the gusto of a Broadway performance. Don't lie to me. No, you have. So in the spirit of that, what I'd love for us to do, I want you to just take just a moment uh, because there, everybody has that one song when it comes onto the radio, you can't just help but start moving the hips and moving around and, and like blasting it out no matter if you can carry a tune or not. And so just share with somebody around you, what is the one song that just captures you when it comes on the radio? I just wanna say, I have a ton of respect for the person who just told somebody that it's girls just wanna have fun. Like, I respect that. Uh, I think it's only fair that as I've asked you to share yours, I would share mine. And mine is The Devil Went Down to Georgia. It's, <laughs> I love how that sits with people. <laughs> so, I love, you. Charlie Daniels Band comes on the radio like, I get, a, I get a Southern twang all of a sudden. It's amazing. Well, so here's the thing. Here's the thing. I'm glad you asked. Here's the thing. So this morning, I, I've been thinking about this and, you know, been working on this talk all morning. And so I just, you know, was thinking about that song a lot. And uh, what you don't know is, or maybe you do, I get here, uh, whenever I'm in here and preaching and doing this service, I tend to like to have some time, you know, just to be able to go through things and finish up some stuff. And, and so I'll usually get here about, uh, an hour or two before anybody else shows on campus. Lots of times it's still dark out. And so that means all the gates are locked and everything like that. So I, 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 this morning I pull up, you know, I'm my traditional early self and I've been listening to the devil went down to Georgia. Uh, you know, I was on my phone and I get out and I'm singing along with it. And you know, I'm singing devil went down to Georgia, looking for a soul to steal in a bind because he's way behind and trying to make a deal. I'm just like going off and I'm at the top of my lungs. Devil went down to Georgia and I'm unlocking the gate and I open the gate and I get turned to get back in my car and I look and lo and behold, there is this lone jogger just jogging <laughs> by the entrance. And I saw him speed up, um, but he also gave a glance. And I realized, I read that glance and I realized I, it, it meant one of two things. One was that this is the coolest church he's ever seen. And he's, gonna, he's in this audience somewhere right now. And if so, welcome, sir. Or two, he is changing his jogging route entirely and never coming anywhere near this place. It's one of those two things. So, uh, but we all have that song, music. There's something profound in it. There's a, that's why we talk about that, singing cars. There's something about music that causes us to often just let our guards down. There's something about music and song that draws us into this moment of engagement, isn't there? And so this morning, what I wanna do is we look through uh, the three things that the priests 
new, that enabled them to know how to worship, I, I wanna explore that idea of music, that idea of song and what it looks like to let our guards down. You know, and my hope for us is that we see what it looks like when we're here together, uh, letting our guard down, singing and engaging with God, letting the stuff that we have inside of us, letting the, uh, the emotions and the feelings that we have inside of us be coming out through song and music and worship. And so what I hope we can do is uh, find ourselves stepping into seeing worship in a way perhaps maybe we haven't seen before. Being willing to step a little bit farther into the idea of singing and song together. See, because you see, priests knew how to worship. And here's the thing, friends, is that we may not realize it, but you and I do too. It's already in there. And sometimes we just need a little refresher. We need a reminder to pull it back up to the surface. And that's what my hope for this morning is gonna be. So there are three things uh, that I want to walk through. Like I said, three things that the priest knew. And the first thing, and we're gonna phrase it like this, because priests know how to worship, priests know that some moments are worth pausing for. Because priests know how to worship, priests know that some moments are worth pausing for. And again, I'll say, we do too. We all inherently know this. We all inherently have this inside of us that there are moments worth pausing for. Uh, you know, I'm gonna read, I wanna read our passage here for the morning, and I'm gonna just be straight up up front with you. This is not the most exciting passage of all in scripture. There is no smiting. There is no hail coming from, you know, frogs. There's no plagues. Uh, it's, it's a fairly, you know, just reading on its own. Uh, it, it's, it's not one that, I, you know, I would get a tattoo of across my back as a life verse or anything. Uh, but it's still, it's an important passage. There's something important happening here. So I'm gonna read the passage and then we're gonna go back into it. So we're in 2 Chronicles chapter 5, verses 11 through 13. And we'll start here. And when the priests came out of the holy place, for all the priests who were present had consecrated themselves without regard to their divisions and all the Levit Levitical singers, Asaph, this is, I'm getting to the hard ones now, Asaph, Heman, and Jethudian, their sons and kinsmen arrayed in fine linen with cymbals, harps, and lyres stood east of the altar with 120 priests who were blowing trumpets, who were trumpeters. And it was the duty of the trumpeters and singers to make themselves heard in unison in praise and thanksgiving to the Lord. And when the song was raised with trumpets and cymbals and other musical instruments in praise to the Lord, for he is good for his steadfast love endures forever. Can you just imagine 120 trumpets in a worship service? That is loud. So again, like I said, not the, not the most exciting passage. You know, you're, you're not gonna run out of here being like, I need to share this with everybody. But there's, there's something profound and important happening here. I wanna give you some context and background to what's happening in this passage because there, there's something that when we kind of see what's going on behind the scenes, it's an amazing thing that we're reading about. You see, this is, a, this is a moment where the Ark of the Covenant is coming back into Jerusalem, is coming into the temple. And the Ark of the Covenant is this, it's this box that has been carried around with the, the people of Israel since they were in the wilderness with Moses. And it's this box, it's this really ornate and well-decorated and beautiful box that is the symbol, the representation of God's covenant, of his promises to his people, to be their God, to walk with them, to care for them, to protect them, to bless them, to be present with them. And what we have here in this moment is finally Solomon has built up the, the permanent temple. And they, there's a spot in that temple for this box to sit. 
so that it can be a constant reminder to the people God is with us and blessing us and caring for us and walking and protecting with us. And all of these things that come alongside of being these people devoted to God. And so the, the, the crowd, the people have shown up and they are, are cheering and they're having this massive celebration. There's, people are bringing trumpets out, they're bringing cymbals out, they've got all these singers and it's this massive celebration because they're reminding themselves, we are a part of the larger stories. Ever since Exodus, this thing has been here for us and now it is here with us in this permanent spot and we get to be a part of this story as well. So let's cheer and celebrate. And there's this moment in that. So that's what's going on. Like it's not just simply a, a rote or, you know, boring event. This is, this is one of the biggest things that can happen to them in that moment. And they're celebrating accordingly. But there's this phrase I want us to look at because we probably read over it. We probably were just saying, you know, that's a nice phrase and, and it's part of the larger thing. But uh, there's something that gives us a, a key insight into you know, what it means to be a priest and to worship. And so it's in verse 11. And when the priest came out of the holy place for all the priests who were present had consecrated themselves without regard to their divisions. Now, because most of us didn't grow up uh, around a whole bunch of priests or growing up in this, knowing about this culture, we miss what's going on there. See, here's how the priesthood worked. When God set aside that group of people and said, you guys are gonna be, be my priests. What happened then is those, that group of people got divided up into 24 different groups or divisions. And I don't know how many people were in each group or division, but each group had the task of working in the temple for one week a year, twice a year. So if you were a priest, you had a task to be at the temple for one week and do all the priestly duties that are involved at a temple, uh, offering the sacrifices, engaging with people, taking, uh, taking the offerings, all of that, engaging with God. And then uh, you, you went home. And then at some other point during the year, you got another week. And then maybe you'd show up again if there was a big festival or something going on. And here's the important thing to know about that. And so they've got two weeks a year that they are being priests at the temple, but they're not just sitting around uh, you know, just waiting for their next week to happen. It's not as if they just don't work for the other, you know, what is it, 50 weeks a year. That's right, right? I went to Bible school, not math school. So that's <laughs> 50 weeks a year. They had responsibilities back at home. They had a family to care for. They had a house to maintain. They, their job as priests didn't stop once they left the temple, but they were do, carrying out some of the more pastoral priestly duties back at home. And they constantly were caring for their village and, and the, the area around them. And so they are, are all gathered, you know, they have their jobs. And what we read here today is it says, uh, regardless, what does it say? It says, uh, uh, without regard to their divisions. And what that means is that every one of those people who weren't supposed to be there were there. Every one of those people, of those divisions who were waiting for their week to come, they decided in this moment, I'm going to show up because it's a moment worth being there for. They had those jobs. They had their responsibilities. They had the plans going on, but here they are. And they said, we're gonna, those things we're gonna put to the side because this is a moment to pause and they paused and put aside those important things, even though sometimes it's hard because they understood in that moment they were gonna be able to celebrate and be caught up in the celebration of God's presence and his promises and his love and his restoration and his, the way he just gives life to the community that, that he touches. So they paused and so priests, 
know how to recognize moments that are worth pausing for. And you know what? Inherently, all of us have moments that we pause for. All of us have things within us where maybe you may not even realize it, uh, what it is, but there are things that will just grab you and cause you to pause. You know, I was in Oregon uh, this, over the summer and we had this house that was right on, we stayed in this house right on the beach and we would look out into the ocean and when, at one point we we're looking out in the ocean and just this dark shape comes up out of the water. It's, it's kind of far off, comes out of the water and all of a sudden, we're, well, that's an interesting thing. Look at that dark shape. And then all of a sudden we see this just spray of water come up out of the ocean off that dark shape. And what we realized is we, a whale had come up out of the ocean and was spewing water up into the air. And this was amazing because I don't know if you know this, there are no whales in Tucson. <laughs> you cannot go to uh, you know, one of the, the lakes at a park and see a whale spewing water, not even at the zoo, not even there. And so we're sitting there and it was this amazing moment where we're like, we, stop, everyone stop what you're doing. There is a whale out there. And this happened throughout the week. And it was most exciting for my mom where it seemed like any time a whale would, would come up over the surface and start you know, spouting out water out of its spout thing, uh, they, would, they would sit there and she would call, there's another whale. And we would all run down. And it was just this moment where everybody would pause and look and be like, man, we should really get one of those. <laughs> so sometimes it's, it's, it's a whale. You know, there are some people for whom cheese causes you to pause, like take that how you will. But uh, cheese, <laughs> you got me, cheese. <laughs> is one of those moments where they're like, this is an amazing thing. I was reading, I was looking through articles and there is an English uh, cheese making company who realized that people want to know about how cheese is made. And so they were making cheddar cheese. And so they put a live webcam on the, on, online and it just sat there and it was focused on their cheddar cheeses for a year as they molded. Because apparently that's how you make cheddar. I'm not a cheese maker, I don't know. But, and tons of people logged into this and said, I'm going to stop what I'm doing, whatever important thing I'm doing in my life, and I'm going to watch cheese mold. And if I'm lucky, I get to see them turn it over. But it happened. It was a thing for some people. That's a moment. You know, uh, for me, Mine is going to, uh, it's uh, the, the Tepon chefs at Mr. Ahn's, right? Have you ever been there? I love that place. I don't go nearly enough. Uh, but I love the, uh, for me, I am in awe of those guys. The guys, they come out in their aprons and they've got like 17 different spatula and, and knife holsters all over the place. And they bring out all their stuff and they're banging around on the, cause it's all a big table. We're all sitting around a big table and the table itself is like a big grill or whatever it is. And they're cooking and they're banging and they're slicing up things and making mountains out of like vegetables. And it's like zucchini Mount Rushmore and all that. And they're doing all of these things and they're flipping things around and slicing and they're throwing the knives up in the air and like catching them behind their back. It's amazing. If you haven't gone, your life is empty. <laughs> or at least Google it. Maybe you don't want to go. Maybe, maybe you don't like going out, but Google that thing. It's amazing. And so and I love watching them and I'm enraptured by it. And there are times where you can tell what they're about to do next. And they get this shrimp on their little spatula. And you, you just want to be like, everybody stop what you're doing because you're about to see something amazing. And they get their little shrimp and they throw it up in the air. And it's as if like the Lord has blessed somebody with magical abilities because one person at the table that goes up in the air and they catch it in their mouth. 
This, it's like a modern day samurai, people. I don't know if you understand this, if you're, if you're getting what I'm laying down here. He throws shrimp across the table and somebody catches it in their mouth. That is amazing. And I just wanna, when I'm there, I just wanna be like, did everybody see that? Have you taken in the glory of what that did? Do we need to do it again? And you just pause and you get excited about those moments. If you don't resonate with that, how many of you have been driving down Lambert at five in the afternoon and there's like every 300 feet, a car pulled over with somebody with their cell phone taking a picture of the sunset? We all have moments in life we may not even realize what they are, but we're just pulled and called to pause because it's a moment worth pausing for. I wonder what, what are those moments for you? I mean, some could be funny and ridiculous, but I bet there are other ones that are meaningful and powerful and impactful that you find yourself pausing and saying, this is a moment I need to be in. Maybe it's a conversation with a friend. Maybe it's uh, just, again, maybe you're one of the people that views the sunset and thinks that I need to stop for a moment. Maybe it's a song. Maybe it's a good meal. Maybe it's just some time where you're reflecting on your own, but we all have moments that causes us to pause. And so what are those moments for you? And here's the thing why it's important to know this because sometimes we can get tunnel vision and get pulled away from those moments, right? Sometimes we're, we find ourselves just engaged and in those moments uh, a, a whole lot and it's not that hard to see them. But other times we get tunnel vision, all those responsibilities that we have, all those chores that we have, all the, just the way life works. And sometimes it's exhausting and busy and sometimes it's just boring. And sometimes you just don't have it. And whatever's going on with all those different things, you can just get that tunnel vision and the moments that are showing up that, that are inviting you to pause and just take it in, you miss them and you go right by them. And so what we wanna be able to do is know if we wanna be able to see those moments, pause for those moments, the thing that we have to know is what's the thing that distracts us? What's, what are the things that keep us and pull us away from those moments? Is it getting so caught up in the week that you find yourself exhausted and tired all the time? Is it something going on at work? Is it something with the family? Is it, is it just being human? and forgetting that there's those moments. Whatever it may be, the beauty and the, the, the gift that we have, the thing that we want to have here is it just, we want to be aware of what those things are. Because when we worship, or when we worship, yeah, when we worship together, what we're actually doing is pausing and finding a moment to be together. Finding a moment that's worth pausing for. And what we, we wanna be able to do is say, I'm gonna set down these thousands of responsibilities and duties that I have, these things that are stressing me out, these things that are distracting me, and I just wanna be able to recognize this is a moment worth being in. And you see, a priest knows how to worship because a priest knows the moments that are worth pausing for, and so do we. It's those moments where there's something deep inside of us that resonates and connects with that moment. Which leads us to our, our second point, Second thing I would say is because priests know how to worship, priests know how to make some noise. Because priests know how to worship, priests know how to make some noise. So Second Chronicles, we'll stick, we'll stick with that. We'll go to the next, uh, next verse here. And all the Levitical singers 
Asaph, Haman, and Jeduthathan, their sons and kinsmen arrayed in fine linen with cymbals, harps, and lyres, stood east of the altar with 120 priests who were trumpeters. I said it again. That's a loud moment right there, right? This is not just some quiet things where people are like, eh. no, this is, this is a moment where you got people singing, cymbals clanging, 120 trumpeters. Have you ever heard a middle school band with three trumpets? It's not pleasant. It's very loud. Imagine 120 trumpeters sitting there blowing noise and people yelling and, and engaging and singing. You see, the priests know how to worship because the priests know how to make some noise. You know, I love this one because uh, there are those of us, when we think of worship, and I'm gonna count myself as, in, as one of you, one of this group, uh, that we're, we're sometimes hesitant to engage and participate in the worship because uh, we think of ourselves as people who can't sing or don't like to sing or aren't very good singers. And I know there are some of us in here who are really, really good singers because you let us know that a lot. And, uh, and you, you, you're usually the ones up here which is why we know that, uh, really good singers. But there, I want you to understand there are a lot of us who, who we struggle with singing. That singing is not our big thing. I mean, um, so like, how many love cheering in public? You do. So if I go to Fry's, I'm gonna see you at, uh, you know, the almond milk section celebrating the fact that it's a dollar off. I'm gonna see you doing the wave. Cheering, it's something where maybe you like cheering at a stadium at a game, but I'm betting I don't, I don't see you at the grocery store cheering for Kiwis. Uh, so, but, and so that's how a lot of us, some of us feel. And so it, sometimes it's scary to step out and be like, you want me to make some noise? But you got to realize when we talk about making noise, when we talk about singing, what we're saying is that there is something of deep and great value inside of us that just cries out to be expressed. We all have those things deep within us, things that God has done in us and moved in us and shaped us in ways and puts on our spirits and our souls. And we just have to let it out. Something of deep importance. You know, think about maybe you're at a sporting event, maybe you're in an arena or a stadium and the announcer, you're sitting there and you're watching a game and you're being a part of it and the crowd is gathered. And there's that moment in the game where maybe it's at the beginning, maybe it's in the middle, maybe it's during a, you know, a moment where your team is doing well, where the announcer comes on and, the, the, and he says, everybody make some noise. And the, you can feel the crowd rising up. You can feel all the energy because everybody has brought this energy to it because they are so invested in this team, in this game, in this moment. And it, it's the fans, they're filled with the anticipation and excitement. And then it's all just blows the roof off. If you've ever been to a U of A basketball game, you can hear that a lot. And it's because there's this, this thing within them that, that just, they brought with them this energy that had to get out. Have you been in a, at a sporting event, at a game, at a football game where you find yourself just jumping out of your chair, yelling and cheering, and you don't do that most other places? It's, you've shown up and you're, you're pulled into this thing. And there's all this celebrating and joy being expressed. We could almost say it's like a worship service. And then what I'd ask is who taught you to do that? No one. No one had to sit you down and teach you how to cheer, how to express joy. It just, it's in us. It's a part of us. It's this natural reaction and it's important. And, it, and here's why it's so important that each of us recognize we have this because 
making noise is an outward expression that matches and enables and expresses the inward importance. It lets the inward out. You know, people have Super Bowl parties, right? Everybody's been to a Super Bowl party. Imagine the last Super Bowl party you went to. You know, you, you went there and the person, they, uh, you could tell that they had really, they set up everything just so everybody had the right line of sight. Nobody's big head was in the way of anybody else and they could see the game. And they went and they bought the newest TV because you have to be able to see football players sweat in 12K or else is it really even a football game that you're at? And then, you know, there's all the, and, and the whole thing is set up so that everybody is bringing their excitement, their joy. We show up early because we want to see what the, uh, you know, who the pregame, 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 pre-pregame performer is for the, you know, whatever song, uh, you know, performance their, their, their most recent album is. And then we watch through it and we, it's the only place where I've ever seen people get excited and cheer or boo and yell about commercials. It's the only place where you can go and have people just scream and yell at the most recent, like, you know, potato chip commercial because they just hate the potato chip so much. There's so many feelings about potato chips and I don't understand it. And so you go and there's, it's just, it's emotion. It's packed in, isn't it? You see, we all know how to make noise. We really do. It's just discovering and tapping into that thing that motivates you and inspires you to, to let it out, to make it. You know, I think there was, um, I want you just to imagine, we're, we're just playing a game of imagine. You know, it may sound very similar, and, but it's, it's just imagine. Uh, imagine your, uh, your favorite football team was playing a game last night. Uh, and, and they're, they're playing um, uh, a team that they have lost uh, six years in a row to. And, you know, this is a team that, that you, you you pour your heart and soul into it. This is a team that is just, it is a part of you. Uh, and they're playing this opponent that has beat them six years in a row. And imagine this opponent's name is Stanford. We'll just <laughs> pull it out of, you know, just, I'm just choosing a name. Uh, and so your team that you're invested in uh, is playing Stanford and you've lost six years in a row. And, uh, and your friends, maybe you know friends who, who are graduates of Stanford and they've just been rubbing it in your face. Maybe you know people who are like Stanford uh, and they're, maybe there's those couple of those people who think it makes them better than the rest of us to like Stanford, even though they'd never went there and couldn't get in there, but they love them anyways. And they're just saying, you know what? Can you believe? And maybe your team rhymes with like smiled cats. And so, and they're just... <laughs> and they're just rubbing this into your face and you're just, your soul is broken. And then you have this game last night. And as you listen and you're like, wait a minute, something is happening. We may actually win a game. We may actually break the curse. We may actually banish this evil from our lives. And so the, uh, and you're watching and, and the energy starts to build. Maybe you were watching with family and friends. Maybe you were sitting in your car, listening on the radio while you're driving around and you can just feel the, the energy build and the build. And is, is it this the year? And you know, you start to get more and more excited and it's all there. And then that last quarter, those last few minutes that, you know, they, it's down, it's a one point game. And we have to, you know, we Wildcats have to make a, Wildcats, I mean, Schmildcats. <laughs> have to make that first down. And if they do, game over. And you watch and you watch and the moment the player catches the ball, crosses the line, you explode because there is so much in you to celebrate and enjoy and, and let out. 
That's what it means to make some noise, to let the things out that need to be let out. You know, the book of Psalms gives us some great examples of this, uh, of what this looks like. We'll just choose one. I love this one. Psalm 100 uh, verses one through three. Make a joyful noise. See, he just even starts with, we're just gonna make some noise, people. That's what the psalmist says. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Do you know who this psalmist is? Do you know who the guy who wrote this is? This is the guy at the Super Bowl party yelling at everybody, did you just see that? Isn't that the best licorice commercial you've ever seen? Never actually seen a licorice commercial, but I, I wonder, they'd probably be good. Uh, and, and he's just yelling about the, it, it's the guy last night in their car who was just overjoyed and calling, you know, maybe calling a friend, be like, can you believe we just won? It's been six years. Can you believe that that just happened? That's who this psalmist guy is. And he is just, he is letting it out because it's all there to be let out. And so the thing that, when we talk about knowing how to make noise, the thing that we, we wanna be able to, to know as well is what's the thing that keeps us from making noise? What's the thing that keeps us from, from letting that out, from making noise? And I think a lot of times it's, it's we lose our place in the story. We, things just become, start becoming things that happen over and over again. When you think about maybe even coming to church, it's now it's, it's it's just something that we do. Life has gotten busy. Life has gotten tiring. And it's just things like church and like worship, it just becomes something that I show up to and I don't really feel it. And all of a sudden the noise stops because we're just going through the motions and we're not actually feeling anything within us. We're just doing something because we're here. But here's the truth. And here's the thing to be excited about is because all of us can fall into that and all of us experience that. How many of us have had our lives impacted by Jesus? How many of us have seen the goodness and experienced the goodness and loving uh, love of God? Most of us in this room have. And so when we start getting pulled and missing and, and forgetting to make noise, we get to fall back on, wait a minute, I remember why I can make some noise. It's because my life has been changed by Jesus. God has shown me his goodness. God has loved me through some of these hardest times in my life. I am going to make some noise. And so priests know how to worship because they know how to make some noise. And finally, priests know how to worship because priests know the power of worshiping together. They know the power of worshiping together. The last line we'll read again, we'll revisit it, is uh, verse 13. And it was the duty of the trumpeters and singers to make themselves heard in unison and praise and thanksgiving to the Lord. And when the song was raised with trumpets and cymbals and other musical instruments and praise to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. So again, we're gonna do some more imagining here. I want you to imagine you are in this crowd. You have shown up to this moment. You are ready to make some noise. The priests are there, the trumpets, the cymbals, and then they, they lead us through this moment if we're in this crowd. And what would happen is they would probably, we're all gonna actually do this together. Uh, we're gonna imagine that we're in the crowd and we're gonna say this phrase together a couple times. Uh, I'm gonna read, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Say it with me for a moment. For he is good, 
for his steadfast love endures forever. And we're in this crowd and the priests are singing it and the, har- the trumpets and the lyres and the cymbals are crashing. And all of a sudden that stuff is welling up and we, this guy over here is singing and that person over there is singing. And it's just, it's starting to move us and move in a certain way. And so then we say it again, say it again with me. For he is good, for love endures forever. And we go again and we again and we're just going through and it's building, it's this crescendo and it's just going and it's going. And we're in this crowd in this special moment. And we're taken away and we're moved by this and, and noise is being made. But then imagine you look to the side over there and there's somebody over there who, who wasn't singing, who didn't say it. And you know what? That person, maybe they had a week. You're caught up and, and you're excited and celebrating the presence of God, but maybe that person over there, it, it's, it's been a rough one for them. And as much as they wanna engage, as much as they wanna be present, they're, they're, they've had a week. And I imagine if we all did, it's probably some of us in here that that happens to on a Sunday, isn't there? There's some of us in here uh, where you just can't get in the moment, where maybe, I, I don't know who this ever happens to, but maybe the drive to church was a little rough with your family that morning. Maybe it's just been a week, it's been long, work hasn't gone well, or maybe work's fine, but you've just been working a lot. Maybe it's just, you're at the stage of your family where you guys are doing a whole lot and you don't really have a whole lot of time to be together. And so it just becomes a little bit more stressful and stressful and you're feeling a little bit more drained and drained. And by the time Sunday hits, you just don't have it in you to make the noise that you need to make. And here's the thing. Go back to imagining when we're all saying those words together. There's something powerful happening in that moment that I don't want us to miss because it happens here every Sunday morning too. Your engagement and passion when you're making your noise is being shared with the people around you. Is being pulled, they're being pulled in that moment where we've paused and said, let's set everything else aside and just make some noise because we feel it. There is a gift in the noise that we make. You know, I was, uh, I loved it. I love this job. Uh, I was the middle school youth pastor here for quite some time. And, um, and every summer we would go on a youth camp to over to New Mexico where we'd stay for a week. And it was this camp where we did lots of things and we're very busy all during the day. And as many of you know, as I've talked about a lot in here, I am, uh, I'm a pretty big introvert. And so when I have to go through and do a lot of stuff during the day, I find myself really, really exhausted. And, you know, and I'm there and I'm making sure everything's going well. I'm talking with kids, hanging out with kids, you know, solving some problems. And by the end of the day, I'm pretty beat and exhausted. And I, I just, I, I don't have it in me. And so at the end of every day at youth camp, we would gather together in this larger room and the students, and there was gonna be worship and teaching. And, and there was a balcony in that room. Uh, and so I would go up there because I just needed some space. And I would go up to that, in that balcony and I would watch as, as the students gathered and they would come in and worship would start. And it, without fail, every day, it was an amazing moment for me because I would sit there and I'd watch these kids. These are sixth, seventh and eighth graders, 11, 12, 13 year olds. And the music starts and the singing starts and the worshiping starts. And all of a sudden they are engaged with one another and pouring out and making noise. And it's this amazing moment for me because they're, they're worshiping. I'm watching kids who have never been to any sort of church thing before find themselves in the middle of this group and they are singing and pouring themselves out. And as I watch, I find myself slowly getting pulled into it and drawn into the moment where by the third song in, I'm standing there at the balcony singing and making noise myself. 
because there's a power in worshiping together. And so given this idea of power of worshiping together, I wanna do, let's say that passage, let's say that phrase one more time together. Are you ready? One, two, three. For he is good and his steadfast love endures forever. You know what? When you just said that, that was for you. That was for God, but that was also for the person next to you maybe. Because when you worship, what you're doing is you're giving away that noise, you're sharing that noise with God, but you're also giving it away to one another. And so as we close out this morning, I wanna do just that. The band's gonna come out here and we're gonna, we're gonna experience this, this idea of worship together. We're gonna, have a, we're gonna sing a worship song that we've sung before. So, you know, we, we know the words, we're familiar with the words. And as we, in a moment, stand to worship together, just keep in the back of your mind what we've talked about, what it means to be a priest. Allow this to be a moment of pause where you set the worries and the tasks and the responsibilities aside. And you just get to celebrate this beautiful name of Jesus. Allow this to be a moment where we can make some noise and maybe, just maybe, we can sing to, for, and with one another. Let's go and stand and worship. Hidden glory 
it was a wonderful thing to hear all that noise. That was some good noise. Thank you for sharing that with us. That was beautiful. It's beautiful to hear and know what God is doing in people's lives, that they just have to get those things out. And I promise you that there are people in here today that you were bringing along with you, that there were some that walked in here today that just needed your praise, your worship uh, to God to draw them closer to him and be a part of this moment. So thank you for that. It was so good to share this moment with you. And it gets to continue. As Ryan said, we have our worship uh, night on Wednesday night, and we hope that you all are able to make it and be a part of that and continue the, this experience and create these moments uh, of worship that, that you're doing here. So uh, before we end today, we have uh, our prayer place over there where we have just a bunch of people who love to pray with people. If you've got something going on in life or you just you know like being prayed for and feel like it's a good thing, uh, go on over there and they would love to pray with you and for you. And then myself, some of the, the folks from worship up here and then some great volunteers, We'd love to meet you, especially if you're new or haven't been going here for very long. Uh, right over there where it says welcome party, over there in that alcove, we'll be over there. And again, we'd love to just say, hey, shake your hand and meet you and tell you how glad we are that you're here. Uh, and so until next week, my friends, hopefully we'll see you Wednesday. If not, have a great week and we'll see you on Sunday.